We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome and thank you for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast where we seek to fuel our faith for all 168 hours of the week. Christian and I are exceedingly glad that you've joined us for yet another insightful episode. And I guarantee you that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this discussion today, so we hope you'll stay tuned. Now we're going to turn in our Bibles as we continue our exposition of James, and we're going to look at James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. And this passage is really helpful for us because within it, James spells out how we may return to God when we have drifted from Him. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're like an unanchored boat drifting out to sea, slowly but surely getting away from the shore. And sometimes believers are like that. Sometimes we drift from God on the warm waters of sin. But the good news is that we can always swim back. And James tells us exactly how we can do that. Right. So Chris, why don't you introduce our episode? Yeah, thank you for that. And again, I'm glad to be recording another episode with you and thank you all for your support and for listening to this. I just pray that you're blessed by the messages that God has been putting on our hearts to share with you. And as you look at the title of this podcast today, it's called Returning to God. And I really like that title. A lot of people would probably give this message a little bit of a different title, something like Humility, uh, or submit to God, but this is called returning back to God. And one thing that we might ask ourselves is what is the meaning of life? And when we take this passage into consideration and just take scripture into consideration overall, there is a meaning to life, and that is to have a relationship with our creator. And therefore here we got that idea of returning to God. But if you look back at Colossians chapter one, verse 16, it says for by him being Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And so we see that we do have a purpose here in this world. If you're looking for the meaning of your life, what you were designed for, the very beginning of that is that you were created to have a relationship with the creator. And when you have that relationship with the creator, he takes you on to so many different things and you get to experience the fullness of life in him. But overall, when we get to this answer, it's not an acceptable answer to the world because a relationship with our creator, a relationship with the living God calls us to humbly put our desires aside and submit to his will. And so there we see it, you know, this humility and this submission and this understanding of returning back to God. So this episode, Returning to God, is about humbly submitting to him and turning our back on the world. And we're going to start in this podcast today, reading James chapter 4, verse 7. And James writes, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
And so there's this simple understanding through all of Scripture. It's pretty black and white. We, we like to have a lot of gray areas in this world, but this one's pretty black and white. If you're not in submission to God, you have submitted to the devil. If you don't right. belong to God, then you belong to the devil and you are under his rule. And people might not like to hear that because they have friends or family members that are unsaved, that haven't put their faith in Christ. But it's the simple truth that we have read all throughout Scripture. We know that believers, those that have put their faith in the Son of God, they believe that he died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave uh, on the third day, and that he's coming back for us. They're no longer under the rule of Satan. And we see that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14, where Paul says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. But go on from the believers, and let's look at the unbelievers on the other hand, who are caught in the snare of the devil, and that's what we see in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And they are in, uh, in, in trapped and snared in this power of the evil one in First John chapter 5, verse 19, where he says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So we see the separation there all throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. But going on, even in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, we see that all are in bondage to Satan outside of God. And that's where we see Paul write, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so we see this clear distinction between the world and the redeemed. And the world is under the rule, under the power, under the trap of Satan. They are shackled by their sin. And the redeemed have been set free from that. And so this is a very important verse to take in because how do we get out of this bondage? How does the world escape the prison the bondage of Satan. And there's simply one way, and that's Jesus. You have to submit to God. You have to come to the understanding that the only way you're going to get away from the world, you're going to overcome temptation, you're going to overcome your, your pride and the lusts of the flesh is to submit to God and resist the devil. And when you resist the devil and you submit to God, no longer are you fighting against the devil with your power or trying to escape, but since you have submitted to God, you have submitted to someone that is more powerful than the devil, then there's no point in the devil seeking you anymore because he can't take you. He can't he can't fight God when you've submitted to him. So you need to be set free from the devil's rule. And the only way to do that is to submit to the one more powerful than him. So what do you got to say on that passage? 
Well, first, thank you, Brother Chris, for making that helpful distinction between believers and unbelievers and Mm -hmm. the fact that the Bible makes that distinction where we are either serving God or serving the devil. Mm -hmm. I've heard it put this way that every living person, whether they are saved or unsaved, is living obediently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's just that some are living obediently to the Lord as a master and some are living in obedience to the devil and sin as their master. Right. And so, obviously, James knows this. That's why he paints a contrast between submission to God and uh, giving in to the devil's temptations in verse Mm -hmm. 7. But, of course, James wants to help us along and uh, help us in our Christian pilgrimage, and that's why he gives us this command in verse 7 to submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Mm-hmm. Now, what exactly does that mean? That's that's a question we need to ask, because if we want to resist the devil and have him flee from us, and if we want to fulfill all the other words in this passage and really throughout this letter, we need to know what it means, first of all, to submit to God. Mm-hmm. And simply put, it means to put yourself under his command. Right. This This verb, submit, is a military term. A military term that was used to describe soldiers who submitted to the orders and authority of their commanders. And from that metaphorical picture, we can understand what it means to submit to God also. Mm -hmm. We're called here to surrender ourselves to all of God's orders, all of His commands, to bend to His authority and yield to His Lordship. That's what it means to submit ourselves to God. Now, of course, the issue that arises is that it is definitely not our natural inclination to do this. Right. We don't come into the world ready to obey God. Mm -hmm. In fact, we come into the world as children of our first parents, of Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. in rebellion against God. Yeah. I like to put it like this, that as sinners, we all suffer from Jonah syndrome. Right. Uh, that is, we're always on the run. If there is mm-hmm. a, a Tarshish-bound ship uh, away from God's presence we're and His it. will, <laughs> we're on it, and we're willing yeah, but, to pay the fare and go down into the captain's quarters and take a nap. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that's the unfortunate truth is that in our sinful nature, we, we don't want to do this. We don't want to submit to God. Right. And that's why it takes Christ to help us to do that, as you alluded to already. The only way we can even begin to submit to God is if we are set free from our sin by the redemption provided for us by Christ. Mm -hmm. And the great thing is that as believers who have become recipients of that freeing and liberating redemption, when we do submit to God, the scripture tells us the devil actually flees from us. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's pretty amazing. You know, you think about the devil coming to us and presenting before us temptations and trying to deceive us with different things. And James says, look, if you simply submit to God, you 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 bow to his demands, the devil will run away from you. He'll flee. Mm-hmm. Now, we may ask the question, why is that? Mm-hmm. What is it about submitting to God that makes the devil uh, go running? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a great commentator, John Phillips, and he said this. He said, when we submit ourselves to God, that leaves the devil face to face with him. 
Wow, I like that, yeah. Amen, amen. That really sums up the whole point here. When we're in submission to God, we we become like him and we're filled with his divine power. Mm-hmm. And that leaves the devil no choice but to flee because he's facing all of God and his resources. Right. And so the bottom line is that we will see the devil's back in flight when we see the face of God in submission. Right. I mean, yeah. honestly, what can the devil do to us? Just practically speaking here, what mm-hmm. can he do to us when we are in submission to the Lord? Right. When it's God's will we want to obey, we simply will not obey the will of Satan. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the devil's whole aim is to get us to submit to him, to get us to bow to his demands and bend ourselves to his will. He even tried that with the Lord Jesus. He right. It said he took him atop a great mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and he says, I'll give you all these if you bow down and mm-hmm. worship me. That, my friends, is submission. And that's what Satan wants all of us to do, is to bow mm-hmm. down to him. Right Now, obviously, submission to God is a crucial part of our defense against Satan, and it's a critical part of our returning back to God if we've wandered. Right. But that's not all we must do in order to defend ourselves against the devil and return to the Lord. Mm-hmm. James also says in verse uh, 7 that we must resist the devil. Right. We must resist him. So in addition to submitting to God, we need to stand our ground. Mm-hmm. Resist and stand against his temptations. Right. That's why Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the in the strength of his might. Mm-hmm. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against mm-hmm. the schemes of the devil. Right. Paul saying, look, put on all the armor God has provided. Protect yourself in every spiritual area. And when you do, you'll be able to resist. Right. You'll be able to defend yourself. You'll be able to stand your ground against the devil after everything he throws at you and all his fiery darts that he hurls towards you, you'll be standing there in victory. And that's a podcast all in itself right there. <laughs> it is. We need yeah. to we need to do one on the, the armor of God for yeah, sure. That'd be good. Absolutely. But we have some further commands here. James is still so helpful to us. He says, Look, in order to return to God and and stand against the devil, you need to submit yourselves to the Lord, resist the devil. But he also tells us this in verses 8 through 9. He says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Mm -hmm. And so there's several other things he says here in regards to returning to God. First, he calls us to come near. Mm-hmm. He says, look, draw yourself near to God. Come to him. Return back to him in this vibrant relationship that you once experienced. Yeah. Now, the matter of it is, all of us as sinners, when we came into the world as unbelievers, we were very far from God. In fact, we were separated from him completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Chris will expound that a little further. But the matter of it is, the scripture says now we are reconciled to God. Yes. We are his children. We are his friends. That mighty gulf 
of separation that once existed between us and God has been spanned. It's been filled by the cross. But the matter of it is also, even though we're reconciled to God, there are still times where we grow distant from him. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to draw near to God. Right. It kind of reminds me of when I uh, did some swimming and exploration down in one of the beaches in Florida. And when I was swimming out there in the salty sea, I I realized how swiftly you can drift away from the shore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of scary, actually. Mm -hmm. So I was like laying out flat in the ocean water, had these goggles on. I was looking for seashells and whatnot. I kind of looked like a body that had been washed up ashore. (laughs) But uh, I think I was the only person actually doing that through the whole stretch (laughs) of the beach. But anyway, it was my vacation. I was going to do whatever I wanted. Right. But, But I distinctly remember being yanked back at least 50 feet in less than five minutes while I was scouring for seashells underwater. Mm -hmm. Even when I was standing still on the soggy sand, the slow tide was seizing my ankles like Mm -hmm. ropes dragging me backwards. And if any of you have been in the ocean water before, you know that this is because those waves that slam the beaches, they rapidly retreat back into Mm -hmm. the ocean and they sweep you away with them. Right. And unfortunately, many people are unaware of how far they've drifted from the shore mm-hmm. until it's fatally too late. Wow. Yeah. And that that's, man, think about that and how subtle it is. And that that's how the devil right. works as well. You know, you, you're out uh, having a leisure day. You're out mm-hmm. pursuing your desires and you you would think you would feel it, but that's how he works in, in such a, a silent and, and, uh, subtle way that before you know it, you didn't think you were so far away, a little sin, uh, a little lie, uh, a little drinking, a little cussing here or there, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever it is that you might, might bring up. But that, that idea of drifting before you know it, man, you're, you're so far away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a reality. And, you know, God knows that we like to splash in the Mm -hmm. waters of, carelessness right and float away from him but the matter of it is when we when we do float away from him sometimes we get very very far Mm -hmm. slowly but surely and we get so far we can no longer make out god's distant form Mm -hmm. you know if i had continued to drift i wouldn't even know what the beach even looked like right and a lot of times we we do that as believers Mm -hmm. but the good news for us though is that we can swim back as i said in the beginning If we will swim back to the shore of closeness with God, we draw near to him, then we'll find him drawing near to us. Mm -hmm. And so that's a beautiful thing. What we need to do if we're drifting from God is we need to come to our senses, realize the situation we're in, just like the prodigal son of Luke chapter 15. Mm -hmm. says he came to his senses and he, he resolved to return home. Right. And the good news for him is that when he was doing that, when he was rehearsing what he was going to say, the scripture says the father saw him from far off and ran to meet him. And that's what you can expect as well. If you're drifting from God and you resolve to return to him, you'll find Mm -hmm. the father running to meet you. So we need to draw near to God. Uh, Secondly, in verse eight, James says we need to cleanse our hands. Yeah. Uh, we need to cleanse our hands and purify our hearts. You sinners. 
You sinners, yeah, I <laughs> left out that most important part, you know. <laughs> That's how I say it, too. Whenever I read that first, I make sure to... Uh... <laughs> yeah, put that part in bold yeah. you know, and italics. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, part of returning to God is returning to what he wants us to do and what he wants us to love. Mm-hmm. And that's where our hands and heart come into play. Right. You see, this when he talks about clean, cleaning your hands, cleansing your hands, he's talking about your choices and the life you live. And when he talks about your heart, he's talking about your affections. Right. So he's speaking of our outward lives when he refers to our hands and our inner lives, the inner self when he talks about our heart. Right. And he says both of those need cleansing when we have drifted from God. And it's not fun when we decide to undergo the Lord's cleansing when we need it. You know, I remember my uh, English shepherd, he got sprayed by a skunk. He's Oof. been sprayed by a skunk at least, I don't know, I've lost track 10 times <laughs> or so. We keep a kit near the door so that we're ready to wash him outside. But man, the first time he got sprayed by a skunk, he did not like to be washed because we had to break out the big guns and all the chemicals and everything. But the matter of it was, he needed cleansing. (laughs) He needed it for us to survive the night. Um, But he needed it even though he didn't want it. And it was rough to go through it. And many times we're, we're in the same shoes. We need that cleansing from sin even though we don't want it. Right. But the matter of it yep. is for our own good, and God God knows that. And part of this cleansing also is that we come to a place where we mourn before God over our sin. Mm-hmm. That's why I said in verse 9, Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Mm-hmm. You know, and the scripture tells us that there's a time and place for laughter. Even Solomon says there is a time for laughter. And I think that scripture would agree, even with the idiom, that laughter is is good medicine. It's the best medicine. Yeah. But there is not a, there is no time for us to be humorous and, and joking when it comes to our sin. Mm-hmm. That's when we need to be serious. When he says, uh, let your laughter be turned to mourning, he's talking about, you know, the fact that sometimes we treat our sin casually. We kind of yes. just scoff at it, kind of laugh at it like it's not important, not serious. No big deal. But he deal. says, no, yeah, no big deal. But he's saying, look, we need to be we need to be crying our eyes out over it. We need to be mm-hmm. mourning. We need to mourn over our sin, have that godly sorrow that leads to repentance that Paul mm-hmm. talked about in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. And you know, we're blessed when we do that. Mm-hmm. Jesus told us in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. He's not only talking about those who have grief because of the loss of a loved one or discouragement because of trials in life, promising that they'll be comforted, even though that's true. He's primarily talking about those who mourn over their wickedness. He's saying when you do that, God will comfort you. He Mm -hmm. will wipe the tears from your eyes. Mm -hmm. All right, I've talked a lot. I'm going to say one final thing about the end of the passage in verse 10. James says, Look, here's the summary. Here's what I'm trying to say to you when it comes to returning to God. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Yeah. There's that submission. That summarizes mm-hmm. everything. All yeah. Everything he's saying here is all about humbling ourselves. Right. Yeah. And we may ask, well, what, what does this humility look like? 
if we want to be exalted before the Lord and we want to be humble, what does it look like? Mm-hmm. Well, I would just tell you, see above. See and above. By looking yeah. at the previous verses, because he spelled it out for us very yeah. well. Right. Yeah, he has. He has. And, and I'd like to go back to, you know, the whole drawing near to God understanding. You know, for, for the most part, James' audience is believers. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I would think that I would like to talk about unbelievers as, as well in this. And, and believers, we've had this experience. We knew that we were once separated from God, that there was this wall of separation uh, and, and that there was a distance between us and God, not something that was his fault, but it was definitely all of us. But Christ is the only one who can reconcile us. For those that have been redeemed, they've been bought by the blood of Christ. And Christ is the reconciliation. Christ is the one who has redeemed them. Christ is the one who has has brought us back to a relationship with the Father. And, And I like John 14, 6. He really, really wants us to understand this. That's what Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we have this understanding that the only way to draw near to God is through who? Through Christ. That's how I, as a young child, when I was eight years old, I realized that there was this separation between me and God, that he wanted a relationship with me. He was calling out to me. He was calling me to repentance and faith in his son, Jesus. And when I finally submitted, I was reconciled. I was, I drew near to God and I got to experience that uh, relationship. But we also see in Ephesians chapter two, 14, for he himself being Jesus is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And and that's another thing too, that sometimes we don't like to think about being the enemy of God or, or that we were hostile Mm -hmm. towards God, but outside of Christ, we were. And and people, you know, sometimes people have brought this up to me. Well, when did you get saved, Chris? I was eight years old. How old were you, brother Brandon? 15. So you got to experience a little bit more life and, and so people might say you were ornery, but you know, everyone <laughs> yeah, expects right. an, <laughs> an eight-year-old yeah. to be a little ornery. And so, yeah. well, how could you have been an enemy of God? How could you have been hostile towards God? And when I finally submitted to God, as he called me to repentance, as he brought my sin before me and, and it, it showed me this great gap between us that you know, he wanted to close. He wanted me to draw near to him. He was already doing his part. He needed me now to focus on my part in drawing near to him. But all these things came through my mind, these sins that, that I had committed. And they mm-hmm. were small things in the eyes of the world, but it was sin altogether. It was disobedience to God. I remembered stealing a stamp from my second grade teacher, Miss Chestnut. Miss Chestnut, if you're out there and <laughs> you're hearing me, I just want you to know you were wrong. I did make it in this world uh, <laughs> to, to my other teachers that said I was going to go to prison one day. You were wrong. Jesus saved me and he made a mm. new way for me. But, <laughs> Amen, but that's the yeah. thing. Before I was a Christian, 
at a young age, teachers would literally come up to my mom and say, we have taught so many kids. If there's a kid that's going to go to prison, it's your son. He's mm. disobedient. He's unruly. He can't listen. And, and I was, I was looking back at that. And, and Christ is the one who brought me through that. He took my sin. He purified me. He made me whole when I put my faith in him and I drew near to him. All of a sudden, I wanted to listen to my teachers more. All of a sudden, I didn't want to fight with all of the other kids in, in school. I, I didn't want to do those things that were bad and against mm -hmm. the will of God. And that's what happens when we submit to him. And then that final verse that you brought up, James 4.10, right there, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And that's what happens when we draw near to him, when we're mournful over our sin, when we're repentant and we put the world behind us. What we're doing effectively is humbling ourselves before God. And when we do that, he lifts us up. But submission requires humility. When right. we go all the way back to up to where we started, submit to God. You cannot submit to God without humility, by leaving your pride behind, by realizing your place here in this world, that God is greater, that God is smarter and stronger than you, than me. And therefore, if we understand that and we want to be exalted, we don't lift ourselves up, but we lower ourselves before our creator and we let him do the exalting. Mm. And I think Jesus talked about something great here in Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you shall be your servant. And, you know, the, his disciples are walking down the road, arguing back and forth at this moment about who the greatest is. Their pride is really getting to them. And let me tell you, pride is, is a great step for Satan to have a hold in your life. If you have right. pride, he will use that. He will twist you around. He, he will use you for great things in his will, which are bad things, awful right. things. But here they, they, here's what Jesus says to him. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Hmm. And here's the understanding of humility. Humility is not wallowing in self-deprecation. Mm -hmm. We're not sitting there crying all day. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't be mournful over our sin. That's not going against what James has just told us here. But we recognize it. We put sin in its place. It's something that should bring sorrow into our lives because it's going against the will of God. And just like if I were to do something that hurt my wife's feelings, it would make me feel bad. Yeah. So yeah. why not do we why do we not apply that same thing to God and our relationship with Him? But humility isn't wallowing in self-deprecation and crying all day. It's living in the reality that God is above us and to overcome temptation, to overcome the devil. We need him. It's right. realizing that we can't complain or judge this lost and dying world around us because guess what? We were once a part of them. We were right. lost and dying and stumbling in the darkness, and we don't have time to, to complain and bicker about all this horrible, awful world because they are lost and dying just like we were. 
and they desperately need to be saved. And so humility, submit to the will of God. And then we see so many scriptures on humility, so many scriptures throughout the Bible concerning humility. Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We keep going in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. In Proverbs 11, 2, I really like this one. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. <laughs> but with the humble is wisdom. And this is, you know, that whole idea of with pride comes the fall. Right. But here's a passage I really like because this is this is like the culmination of humility and why we should be humble. And it points back to Christ in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. Listen to this. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Amen. And so if there's one thing we can really talk about humility in scriptures that humility is an identifying marker of the redeemed. Amen. And, and I would say that if you are a Christian, this passage is a very important passage to apply to your life, especially if you're like me, where you've found at times you're starting to drift as, as brother Brandon was even talking about. Sometimes we start to drift, submit to God, get back to that point where you are listening to him, that you are under his command. Get back to that point where you're communing with him, talking to him, reading his scripture, uh, getting involved in church, doing those things like that. But put humility back on. Here's where I think we stray the most as Christians is when we take humility off. Right. When, when we start trying to take on the world, when we start trying to take on Satan and temptation all on our own because we just think we are so good at doing it. When we take humility off, Satan has a footstep. He has a foothold in your life at that moment. And so humility is extremely important as a Christian because it's one of the identifying markers of our faith. And if you're not a Christian, I would encourage you to take this passage to heart as well. Even though James is writing to a body of believers, this is something that you can take heed of as well, that it is the day of salvation for you, that it is time for you to put this world aside, submit to God, resist the devil, make the devil run away, and humble yourself before God, because when you do that, you're not going to have your face pushed down in the dirt. He's going to lift you up and you're going to experience 
the abundance of life that only God can provide. Amen. So that's that's what I got on this whole passage tonight. <laughs> I I wanted to be sure to mention this really encouraging passage before we round up this episode. Mm-hmm. It's in Jeremiah twenty three twenty three. Pretty easy to remember. Yeah. And it speaks exactly to this subject of drifting from God and returning to him. And it's God speaking. And he says this, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? You know, many times when we wander from God, we may be far from him, Mm -hmm. but he is actually not far from us. Right. We just simply must return. We must Mm -hmm. swim back to his shore of mercy from which he beckons us to come back. Right. We need to return to him. He'll return to us. And, you know, that's what the Old Testament tells us to do as well, Mm -hmm. such as in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3, where God says, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, I think of what you were talking about, Jonah, earlier, that sometimes we get a lot like Jonah. But even as Jonah was running from the will of God, as a prophet of the Lord who is supposed to be the mouthpiece of God to the lost and dying world around him, even when he was swallowed in in the belly of a big fish in the depths of the sea, he was still able to cry out to God. So yeah, God God is there. When when it says draw near to God, it's not meaning that God is far off. God is right there waiting. Right. Uh, You're the one who's turned your back. You're the one who's swimming away or or drifting away all he's waiting for you to do is turn back and focus on him but i want to thank you all for joining us on another episode of the faith 168 podcast i encourage you to go out and live this week faithfully for christ putting your self aside in humility and living for jesus by serving those around you submit to god this week resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves before God, and he will exalt you. Do that this week, and I promise you, I promise you this. I'm not going to say that the trials and tribulations will disappear, but he'll give you a greater peace, a greater joy in your walk with him if you do this. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this podcast where we can come together and talk about your word and fellowship together in that way. And I just pray that as we continue on this week, that you help us to submit to you in the areas of life that that sometimes we're prideful in and, and try to walk by ourselves in. Help us to submit that to you. Help us to humble ourselves under your mighty presence and help us to live for you here in this world faithfully for the simple reason just to bring you glory and to bring people closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.